3: WRKS Pickens-Jackson
1: All systems go
2: Live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio It's now
1: ordered. Live in the studio hey.
2: It's the of Bounds Show with Low Bounds. Streaming live
0: worldwide on the of
2: Bounds Radio app And on your radio at ESPN 105.9 All set, let's go
4: The Zone
3: Oh, good morning. Welcome in on a Tuesday. Out of bounds. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. This is 105.9 The Zone ESPN. I think you know all that. The show is brought to you by the Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. We will be there tonight and tomorrow throughout the day. And we'll broadcast there from three hours tomorrow. The Golden Moon Casino Sportsbook and Lounge. And uh, award-winning Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Play eighteen, hit the sports book, then smash a steak at Philip M's. That's a good, it's a good time. Dancingrabbitgolf.com, pearlriverresort.com, and all the other fun stuff. I've got uh, Jason with me. We're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and get an interview in. Uh, Luganville will join us at seven thirty today. And uh, this is where Tom will be most of the time throughout football. There could be some hiccups, but Tom Luganville will join us at 7.30. Mike detillier at 8.30 on the Farm Bureau Insurance guest line. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to having Lugs on
4: and talk a little. Now we can focus on some of the games this weekend. Are you sure you're not tired of all the... The recruiting in the in the fall camp news is that that's your that's your vibe, right? Yeah, you know that's
3: not my vibe. Ah, it's not. Um, I leave that to uh, other sports talk radio hosts, I guess, or Ole Miss fans. Um, you know, <laughs> there's nothing like the uh, uh, the the 180 pivot from um, por- transfer portal king to now high school recruiting is all important. Um, that's a heck of a one eighty too, but I guess that's a whole nother story for another day. Um, yeah, no, I don't, uh, we have to cover recruiting. It's not something that gets my juices flowing. I'm very aware of it. Uh, most of the guys who cover recruiting don't actually recruit. We recruit businesses to this show. So they don't, they don't understand the overwhelming majority of people at two, four, seven sports rivals on three don't, they cover recruiting they don't understand recruiting.
4: Ah, okay. See so, yeah cuz well probably the same thing with like camps, right? Everybody Same thing with
3: 98% of the guys in press boxes.
4: Yeah, everybody looks good. Zero like,
3: business acumen. Yeah. <laughs> um that's just the way it is in media. So um but I don't I don't have a designated place in a press box for this football season. So maybe I'm really not I don't know. You're not top know. of the
4: heat, then. If I you're guess not, eating not. That press box food, man. Yeah,
3: you know, you got to get there an hour and a half. You, you know, it's very, it's a very territorial thing. Get the uh, pork sandwiches. Yeah, you and- you, you got to have a, a podcast and maybe a show uh, in the SEC town that you cover, and you have to be there about ninety minutes before, sixty to ninety minutes before game time, and you got to plow through some food because you believe it's your divine right to be fed. <laughs> As a journalist,
4: well, you've never heard angrier typing than when Ole Miss is losing at halftime, and you're in the press box. Oh, is it bad? Yeah, dude, it does, it's not pretty. That's for sure. Especially at uh,
3: basketball too. You know, I haven't been in that press box probably since 2009 um, or so. Um, imagine that. And um, I don't know. I know Kyle misses me, but you know, what am I going to do? Right? I mean, I can only I can only be one place at one time.
4: Come on, Jason. you got you to gotta show him a little love. You know, Kyle, yeah. is a, he's open arms when it comes to anything. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, no, that that's funny that you say that. Um, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, doesn't matter. That, that typing could get, you know, the keyboard Cowboys could get really intense at halftime if the score's not going the right way.
4: And then somebody, especially if it's a blowout, somebody's making up a storyline, man. That's right. You, you got to pick a player and just make one.
3: Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe I'll be a press box guy one day with a seat and, uh, pound that food for the game.
4: I could see it. Yeah. I, I could see it happen. Just, just when you're done with, you know, eating steak and stuff, you're like, you know what? Let me go back to the pulled pork sandwich in the press box with yeah. the, with the will, old coleslaw and everything.
3: I will say this, Tampa Bay Outback Bowl Reliques. that spread was, and I don't usually do that. You know, I told you that story. Obviously I I'll go through, I'll. Real quick, but man, I got out there in Tampa for the bowl game early, early, early. And I usually don't do that. Yeah. A couple hours before the game. Well, you know, they were doing like a fan fest or something. So I got caught up in that. I usually don't go to those either. And I found a a beer and you know, I'm running into people that I know, right? Because there's Mississippi state people there and, uh, and so the, I, I finally go up to the press box and I'm like, they've got two spreads of food and it is fabulous. And I just dove in.
4: Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, oh, that's for really me. unlike you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then I went to a suite. Yeah. yeah. Let's well, see. So you're diving in. You probably had a slider and maybe a couple of
3: yeah, shit Something like that. Yeah. I don't think they had any alcohol. Um, so I think I stayed with the Agua.
4: Did you have the same experience when you first started getting those press passes? You show it as proudly as you can, like every other person in the press box? No. I gotta admit, my first time, I was like, yeah, I could see right you here, doing right that. Right here, buddy. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, like, as a, I was a freshman covering my first game. Okay. And I was like, dude, this is awesome. I get to go on the field. Like, I'm a, I'm a real journalist. Big J journalist. You are. Yeah.
3: You are. I want you to embrace that.
4: Oh, for sure.
3: Yeah. Um Yeah, all right. Yeah, you were you were waving that press box around uh, that press pass around the first time.
4: And then you got to act like you've been there, you know?
3: Okay. Did you do that?
4: Yeah, of course. After after the first time, I'm like, "Hey guys, you know me. I'm walking in. Don't mind." But like basketball for sure. When you get on the court and you have the camera on your shoulder behind the goal, that sort of thing. Oh, you were a camera dude? I was, yeah. How was that? Uh, it was fun. I actually, like, people were like, oh, aren't you scared of players falling on you? I'm like, I'm back in the game. Uh oh. hadn't been in basketball since I played Church League, you know? Yeah, well, I, I mean, you know, there weren't 300 people in the arena, so you were fine, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, that that was during the uh, during the death penalty football days, so people leaned a little more into basketball than they, than they do now, but let's see what Chris Beard can do, you know? Okay. All
3: right.
4: Awesome. Well... That was cool. The Bush Light Caller
3: line is 601-707-3750. Uh, Twitter handle, at Bowbounds, And the uh, Kona Big Wave Golden Ale. Uh, what am I talking about? Kona Big Wave Golden Ale. I mean, I'm, I'm like going through the beers or something. Yeah. I just looked over and was going through our taps. All right, Twitter handle, at Bowbounds. The Ag Up Equipment text line is 601 601- 8853776. I thought we had a good show yesterday, um, all things considered. And um today with Luganville coming on, looking forward to that. You know, this whole national championship and who could get in. Southern Cal didn't sell me, did they? Ooh. Uh, you know? And if Ohio State doesn't have offensive tackles, uh, and then that game is in Ann Arbor, but boy, don't you find it hard to believe that Michigan can win three in a row? I'm touring there. You know, they're hosting. They got a good team. Ohio State's got better talent, but as Bartu says, um, you know, Michigan's built for that cold, rugged weather uh, so I don't, who else can get in? I mean, I, I can't buy Texas yet. I mean, they have to like go beat Bama or win six in a row or something. Ooh, uh, Southern Cal was getting shredded by San Jose state who doesn't have a, a power five player on their team and it's time. I got to make the call on the college football playoff. All right. Tom Luganville, seven thirty on the farm bureau insurance guest line. Twitter handle at Bo Bounds. Good morning. Welcome in.
1: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Oh, man. We're having to educate Jason on a new way of media. Everything that he learned in school is, you know, mostly false. Uh, That's not my fault. That's not my fault. But um we're we're gonna get him right. It'll take a while, but it's all good. He's on the right path. So we thank, are the Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, kinda. We okay. are the out of bounds show, ESPN 105.9 five nine the zone. We're excited to welcome in uh, your locally owned Napa Auto Part Stores. That's right. Reggie Sims and the team uh, now on the show. Super excited to have them. Six locally owned Napa Auto Parts stores in the metro area with a seventh on the way. And, yes, they have the new store and shop in North Jackson. I-55 North, powered by your locally owned Napa Auto Parts stores. And, um, man, I'm excited to have this crew on. We really are. So, look, if you're managing your deer camp, And your uh, hydraulic hose, bus on your tractor, where do you go? That's powered by your locally owned Napa Auto Parts store. New store open, I-55 North in Jackson. Good morning, welcome in. What would be a successful season, in your opinion, for your team? Ole Miss? Mississippi State? Southern Miss? Whoever you root for, Bama? Tennessee? What what would be a successful season for you? I love that Jason handed me a topic list this morning on uh, which first year head coach will have the most success, and didn't even drop, didn't even add Zach Arnett to the to the list. Didn't even add the in state coach that's a first year head coach. Let, let me tell y'all who he put on here: Hugh Freeze. Okay, there's a tie there. I mean Mississippi State and Ole Miss. Play all, I mean, until next year, play Auburn every year. Okay, so I get that. Yeah. To state. you know, all that. Had some great games between MSU and Auburn and Ole Miss and Auburn. I mean, wow. Um, And and great games in, you know, the list goes on and on. Th- this is one of your, your big, big games that you play every year. Plus, you got to go on the road. Right? Ole Miss and Mississippi State have to go on the road. Two, Jordan Ayer, which will guess what happens this year? They're going to be packed. It's rough. It will be 98,000 crazy mofos in there, okay? Um, Deion Sanders. Okay, there's a tie. And Matt Rule, who none of you even know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. No, I, there's, there's nine, you know, let's just say we're ticking up, ticking up. We got 15,000, maybe 20-plus thousand people listening right now. All right? Now, we'll really hit our stride at 7.30, 7.35. But because people are trying to get their coffee and get their kids to figure out where they are, you know, their shirts backwards, wear their socks. Of I, course, I get it. Yesterday morning was a complete S show for me. I couldn't find anything. So I get home and Wendy's uh, replaced the light in my closet, which was very sweet of her. Now, I've got this big, bright light in my closet. I can actually see. It's incredible. Um, I mean, I couldn't find anything. Um, And then the dog wanted to get up twice. He, no, he doesn't ever do that. Mm. He never gets up with me. And he had to get up twice to to go out, which throws me, you know, totally off. That's My three point minutes. is this. Jason hands me a topic list. Is this Ole Miss or what? Whoa, which first-year coach will have the most success? Guess who's not on it? Zach Arnett. I know what you think. Like I would like the reaction from our listeners, on the Ag Up Equipment John Deere tractor text line. 601-885-3776. Doesn't even put... Now, if Ole Miss had a first-year head coach, do you think that he would be on here? Um, the answer is not yes, it's hell yes.
4: Look, you, you've you talked about... Hell yes, <laughs> yeah. damn right. You, you've talked about your expectations for Arnett week in and week out. You say... A very successful I'm season. i very,
3: tempered. tempered. Let me tell you, when you follow a Hall... Say this out loud. How many times has this happened at Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Okay. Exactly. You can count, you know, Johnny Vault, that's it. When you follow a Hall of Fame coach, and I, I assume Johnny Vault's in the College Football Hall of Fame, okay? um, Which you... When you follow a Hall of Fame coach and you've never been a head coach, what you know, and and in this league that I think is way tougher than it's been the last few years. I mean, I think it was a nice time to win. You know, Eddie O was outside that one year. Eddie O was at LSU. Jimbo's calling plays at A&M. Auburn is throwing up all over themselves, right? I mean, you know, you, you, you got a little reprieve. You, you had a little wiggle room there because sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's two. It's about a three-year stretch. Yeah. Okay? Now, you got an adult at LSU, Brian Kelly. He's one of the top coaches in the country, whether you like him or not or whether he wears jorts to a golf tournament. Well, a pro-am, PGA, which is unacceptable.
4: Especially right.
3: when you make $9 million a year. Um, but, I mean, you should be buying into net jets and doing other fun stuff. Here's my point. Then you got Hugh Freeze at Auburn. He wins everywhere. He's going to win there. May even put themselves in position to win a national title on a 12-team playoff. And now you got Bobby Petrino, who's an A play caller at AM. My expectation, I have tempered. I, if you want to be cautiously, cautiously, cautiously optimistic, yeah. But this is not a league where you jump in as a first-year head coach and everything is just sunshine. And beautiful babies, bikinis, and you know that the the smell of of suntan lotion, and the perfect breeze on the ocean, and that ice 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 cold Stella or that ice cold Tito's and water and lemonade, and the perfect day, and everybody's you know kind of it just everything it, the water's blue and green
4: yeah that's, yeah of that's course.
3: not how. That perfect day out at Crab Island, right? You've got your honey with you. You got all the beverages. You got some good food. It feels great. That's not how it goes as far as first year head coach in the SEC.
4: Right. So, but, you know, would you say that Arnett has more talent returning than Hugh Freeze? No. You wouldn't? Um, They do have, it's
3: probably about. Probably about as close to even as it's been between Auburn and Mississippi State. Um, God, to be able to really drill down on that. I mean, according to the recruiting rankings, Auburn out recruits Mississippi State by about 15 spots. Um, mm, That's a good question. How much more talent does Auburn really have? How do you quantify that? Yeah. Because that's where that list is coming I'd, I'd, from. It's like, I, I would. I would think it's slight, maybe maybe two to three points.
4: You know, because I'm I I know your opinion on Arnett. You know, you say six and six, seven and five with an Egg Bowl win would be really good. If he goes seven and
3: five and wins the Egg Bowl, they should carry him down to the Cotton District, all the way down Main Street <laughs> Loop, all the way back down Twelve, and back to Fraternity Row. How wow. about that?
4: Like like uh like Tennessee did with the goalposts. Yeah, yeah. Go throw them in a river. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. You know, I have a friend that was that took some of the goalpost out of Neyland that night. Seriously, I'm dead serious. Yes, he was there. He he got out on the field. He marched out of the stadium with everybody with it, and then he took a piece with him. Dude, I know. That's
4: got to be cool. I, I, you know what? We should have him on the show. That's, I mean, that sounds like a great experience. I also want to talk to the kid who was at the top of the goalpost when Ole Miss beat Alabama and he fell like 35 feet, 40 feet. If anybody knows who that kid is, let me know because he he fell from a couple stories. <laughs> Are you talking about on the top of the field goalpost? Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened to I was to that glad guy? he was okay. Um, War Eagle Rich just threw you up. Yeah, so he said uh, on the Ag Up equipment, text line he said can you imagine the blank you would get if you left an Ole Miss coach off a list like this from Ole Miss fans and that's an Auburn fan
4: (laughs) that's from War Eagle Rich I put your coach on there man
3: oh man this is incredible all right Tom Luganville coming up next on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line
1: That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Ah, uh, you know my producer is an old Miss alum when he hands me a topic. Sheet this morning and he says, which first year head coaches will have the most success? And he leaves off Zach Arnett. He has Hugh Freeze, Deion Sanders, and Matt Rule. And uh 98.475% of my audience doesn't know who Matt Rule is. Now I know who Matt Rule is, but uh um maybe because um, you know, I was texting with Joe Judge the night that Matt Rule took the uh Carolina Panthers job, and that threw everything out of whack for the Mississippi State job, which then had Joe Judge go to Mississippi State alum, to the New York Giants. But anyway, uh, just so you'll know, going forward, Jason, um, nobody cares about uh, Matt Rule. Now, the other two's legit. Okay, Hugh Freeze, obviously a tie here. He's from here. Went to Southern Miss, coached at Ole Miss, you know, all that. And uh, Dion Coach Prime's going to get beat by a million this week by TCU. And I don't even know. Oh, Nebraska plays Minnesota Thursday night. Yeah. Our next guest knows that. All right. The SEC Insider Hit this morning is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue. The official health care provider of the Out of Bounds Show. We welcome in uh, National College Football Analyst with ESPN, also recruiting, Tom Luganville on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Luz, good morning. How are you? I'm, do-
2: I'm doing good. And just hearing your in-bump there, so... Who made a? Uh, what was the list exactly of, of most successful first-year head coaches?
3: So he said, which first-year head coach will have the most success? And he put Hugh okay. Freeze, Deion Sanders, and Matt Rule on the list and left off an in-state coach who happens to be a first-year head coach by the name of Zach Arnett.
2: Yeah, wow. How about Luke Fickle at Wisconsin?
3: That's another one.
2: He inherits 18 returning starters. He's got a quarterback in Tanner Mordecai. Um,
3: he's got Phil Longo who's a heck of an OC
2: yeah yeah so and I'm trying to figure out like where where is Colorado going to come up with the wins
3: oh they're not I see
2: two potential potential wins on their schedule maybe Stanford and maybe Colorado State
3: yeah I think that's fair enough I think TCU you know Sonny Dykes and Kendall Browse and that crew it's going to get ugly this weekend Tom
2: it may and we'll find out, you know, with, you know, a lot of the talk of, of you know, the off season and the transfer portal and, and the guys that were, you know, brought into the program versus the guys that exited the program, you know, how, how, how improved will they be? I mean, did, did they improve in some areas? Yeah, of course they did. But at the same time, you could make an argument that Colorado last year was the worst performing team in college football. Maybe in all three phases, right? It, so you go from bad and terrible, and your upgrade is to what? Average or above average? Is that good enough? That's the question I think you have to ask, at least in this first cycle. Because oh, I, I, I'm I'm not saying it can't be done, but, but I think it's going to take two to three portal cycles and recruiting cycles for him to start to get that roster where it's going to actually need to be.
3: Yeah, and and, Lugs, the the idea of sixty plus new players. That's not a recipe for success. I, I don't care if it's Bear Bryan or Coach Prime. Um it, it's just that that's not gonna work. And uh so I expect him to go two and ten or three and nine like you're talking about. And we'll see if uh if Dion can hang in there. Uh, because I think it could be much the same the next year, and by then he may be totally losing his mind. Um all right, Florida, Utah. So uh, Napier was up and down in year one. Whittingham has been there since Urban Meyer left to go to Florida. And right. he's been amazing. And he's that rock solid. They always win. They know who they are. And they actually play football like a little bit of us and a little bit of the Big Ten. Um, I mean, they're rough and rugged. As, yeah. as one guy on this show said, uh, Kyle Whittingham will come into your stadium, drink all your beers, and kick your ass. So Florida <laughs> at Utah. Um, Who do you like and why, Tom Luganville?
2: Well, Rice-Eccles Stadium is a very difficult place to play, particularly at night. I think that place will be rocking. Um, The simple answer to that question is how healthy is Cam Rising? Because I do think that's important. I do do believe that plays a significant factor. Um, And you are 100% right about how Utah is built. They are a physical, tough, built from the inside out football team that has depth um and virtually everybody back that they need on on defense and so um i think there still are going to be spots where the florida roster maybe has better pure athletes but doesn't have the better team isn't the better team unit yet you know you just referenced something i think is really important is Kyle Whittingham's been doing this for a long, long time, and there's only one way at that place, and everybody that knows is, is all in on it. For, for Florida, they're still trying to lay that foundation, right? They're start, still trying to build that. And I think there's, there's advantages for Utah when it, when it comes to that. And You know, what are we going to see out of the quarterback position at Florida? You know, is, is, is Graham Mertz good enough? If he struggles, do they go to Jack Miller? Um, Are they an upgrade from what they were last year with Anthony Richardson? I mean, I I think that's somewhat of a fair question when you consider what his completion percentage was. He was dinged up and injured. Like, what if instead of having a 53% passer, what if they have a 63% passer? And what does that mean to the overall efficiency of the offense? So I think there's some fascinating things there offensively for Florida to look out for, too.
3: Yeah, uh, and then there's some... There's some talk that Utah, uh, what they're going to do at quarterback as far as injuries. Um, you mentioned Graham Mertz. What do you? What can you tell our listeners? Because um, they'll be locked in Thursday night. I mean, that's that's a well. We got two Power Five games, but that will trump uh, Minnesota and Nebraska. Uh, no yeah. offense to Jason, who dropped Matt Roll in my topic sheet this morning. But um, we we focus on the SEC and the and the Florida Gators and and Utah. Uh, What can you tell us about Graham Mertz?
2: To this point, he has woefully underperformed what his anticipated hype and production was thought to be. You know, that was the highest-rated quarterback that Wisconsin had ever signed uh, coming out of high school. And when I say that, everybody recruited him, Bo. I mean, he was a hot, hot commodity. And then for whatever reason... um, he, he just hasn't been able to sustain any consistency. And, and, you know, listen, do you have great skill around you at Wisconsin? Probably not. Obviously, we know what the run game is all about there, and Braylon Allen's been just an absolute freight train for them at tailback. But I, I think you could make an argument that he'll maybe have better athletes around him at the skill spots at Florida, which is a good thing, um, and maybe that helps him perform a little bit better um he's got talent he's a gifted player but for whatever reason that talent hasn't necessarily paralleled you know consistent performance game in and game out and and I think that's what people have been frustrated with him especially if you were a, a Wisconsin fan
3: okay uh let's move to Lane Kiffin and the quarterback position that we have discussed with you but we're now down to um You know, the first game of the season, and I understand it doesn't matter that that I could play this weekend and they'd beat Mercer, but you know all about these two guys, Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders, from being head of recruiting at ESPN. You called Oklahoma State games. Spencer Sanders did not go to Ole Miss to sit. Um, There's all this talk. Dart's better. Obviously, I think we expect most players to get a little bit better. Uh, incrementally every yeah. year. Uh but I get the sense that you still believe Spencer Sanders when e- when everything is on the table that Spencer Sanders maybe not by miles but is a better quarterback. So I'm not worried about Mercer, but as this thing plays out and we get into the meat of the schedule, if you had to call it, do you believe it will be a it will eventually be Spencer Sanders job?
2: If Jackson Dart does not improve his decision-making when it comes to taking care of a football, Uh, you know, Lane Kiffin is not worried about coaching Jackson Dart's talent. Jackson Dart has a ton of talent. Jackson Dart can make all the throws. He can do everything you want a guy to do. He's got some savvy about his personality, but he has a penchant for taking risks with the football, and Lane's not going to have it. And, I remember it happened uh, last year in the first half against Georgia Tech on the road in Atlanta, and Lane was furious with him because of really two really poor decisions that he had made in the first half, and they were completely unnecessary decisions, and I can see why he was was upset. So the thing with Spencer Sanders, it's it's the good and the bad. The guy has played a ton of football. I mean, he's over for 10,000 yards.
3: Right? Ten thousand so, yards at Oklahoma yeah. State.
2: Yeah, and he can run, and he's he's a, a dynamic player. He's just about you know he's kind of just about seeing everything you could throw at him. The downside is, is he's hurt a lot, and he played all through last year, very injured, had to miss I think a couple of games. But he just he wasn't the same guy. I'll give him t- he is tough. He battles. He fights. I know there were a couple of weeks because I had I had the. Texas Oklahoma State game in Stillwater and he had played in the previous two weeks but did not practice a day did not practice but played in the game wow so he's he's got some toughness and and I love that about him so I think if he's healthy and Jackson Dark isn't careful with the football then yeah Lane Kiffin's gonna play him I I I don't think you're you're left with any other choice and hopefully from a mature perspective a maturity perspective that is really something that Jackson Dart takes ownership of, the the decision making, the when to live a play, live to play another down, and and just don't create negative plays with the offense with your decisions.
1: Uh, do you
3: think there's another step for Will Rogers? Kevin Barbet is going to run it a little bit more. Uh, I do yep. actually believe that they've got better personnel than they've had around Will since he's been there. He was thrown to the wolves, and then a bunch of true freshmen had to play around him when. Colin Hill threw his fit, and it just wasn't a good transit. Moorhead missed on a lot of kids. Um, good guy, but he just he missed bad um, on a lot of kids. So having said all that, I think that they've somewhat um, – reloaded It's not the word that I'm looking for, but they've got better personnel around Will. So having said all that, and look, the air raid and leech and all that was – were great to Will Rogers and vice versa, mm-hmm. but do you believe that there's a that he can take another step forward this year?
2: Yeah, and I think he's going to have to be because I think there will be more asked of him within the scheme. Um, you know, uh, there was all this talk right about Sam Hartman at Notre Dame, and what would Sam Hartman be um, when he wasn't in the the, the slow mesh? Uh, heavy RPO-based scheme that he was in for, you know, six years or five years at Wake Forest. Well, at the end of the day, Sam Hartman has started 45 games in college football, right? Will Rogers has started a ton of games in yeah. college football. I think that he will adapt fine. Um, I, I do think maybe some of the progression read stuff that he'll be asked to do will be a little bit different, Um you know, so much of the original air air raid, if it, it wasn't attacking coverage, it was attacking areas of the field. And um, so, I, I I think I wouldn't have too many concerns just because he's played a lot. But he's probably going to be asked to do. He may be asked to do a lot more at the line of scrimmage, both pre and post snap. Right. Um, he may be asked to do full field progression reads down to the checkdown, like. There just may be more on his plate, but it's one thing to say you're going to do that to a freshman and now expect him to make consistent good decisions. But when you're talking about a guy that's played as much ball as, as Will has, I think you feel pretty confident about it.
3: No, that's a good point. He started over 30 games, and um, that's a big deal, no doubt, and, um, in any sport but in college football. Uh, we're visiting with Tom Luganbill. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Are you allowed to say what game you have this week?
2: Yeah, I've got uh, Clemson and Duke on uh, Labor Day night. Oh,
3: I, I want to jump into this real quick. What are your expectations for Garrett Riley, who was the offensive coordinator at TCU? Um, Dabo made a quick switch after a very, very disappointing year for Clemson. And this guy is very talented, just like his brother Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal. Uh, what are your expectations and what are you looking for from the Clemson offense with Garrett Riley?
2: Well, the expectations are extremely high because, you know, when he arrived at SNU as a younger coach, then later at TCU, and they start to kind of build the thing up, and they've inherited, uh, you know, pretty good players. At Clemson, you can make an argument that he's, he's inherited some elite players. They're intact in their offensive line for the most part. The running back is a potential All-American candidate, Will Shipley. Antonio Williams is, is a go-to target and a vertical threat. Um, They've also got a second uh, running back uh, in Phil Moffa, And I think what you'll see is you're going to see a little bit of what Lincoln Riley did at Oklahoma in his early years there in the two-back offense. And a lot of counter inside and outside zone. And then a pace of play that's faster than what we've seen from Clemson. And getting back to vertical explosive plays. That was the one thing that was really lacking the last two years at Clemson, is DJ was not capable of doing it. I think as a play caller, Brandon Streeter got a little bit gun shy because he didn't feel confident that they were high percentage throws. Whereas, you know, the previous, what, six years or three years with Deshaun and three years with Trevor, you know, those things came at a pretty easy clip. So I do think you'll you'll see a, a, a faster paced offense, a little bit of a different style in the run game, and then, you know, you need Cade Klubnick to consistently be what he showed flashes of as a true freshman a year ago. times he was very, very good. At other times, you know what? He looked like a true freshman. It's just about all true freshmen do. So um, they they will have personnel that will be very difficult to contend with.
3: Ugh. Are they are they still your favorite? Is Clemson still your favorite in the ACC, Tom, or is it Florida State? Uh,
2: it, Clemson, until proven otherwise, you know we we acted this last two years like the sky was falling in Clemson. They won twenty one games.
3: It's a good point. People
2: were treating them like they're seven and five, <laughs> right? And so, and that was with mediocre quarterback play and at times very average, especially two years ago. Offensive line play, the defense is so good and so loaded that, um, and I also and, and you know this too about Dabo. You know he loves to play the little old Clemson card. Sure, right and you know the last several years they've gotten away from that because they've become so dominant that they're not little old clemson anymore and i think there's a part of him that kind of likes the fact that everybody's talking about florida state everybody's talking about north carolina you know everybody's talking about lsu and in georgia and, and alabama and he's like fine we'll just go on our merry way right over here and and, and go about our business but That team was far from a poor football team the last two years, even though there was a perception out there that that they were a bad team. They weren't.
3: No, I like where you're going there. Um, Clemson is the pick until Florida State proves us otherwise, even though they're trending in the right direction, which takes us to the game of the week. He is Tom Luganbill with ESPN. He joins us on the Farm Bureau Insurance Guest Line. Uh, Lugs will be calling the Clemson-Duke game on Monday. Labor Day, um, which is great. We get LSU and um and Florida State on Sunday. So here we go. Last year was a crazy game. Um, everybody went nuts. FSU won and then LSU came back and had a really, really strong year, including the great win over over Bama. They actually have an adult as their head coach now and Brian Kelly. Um <laughs> this is a neutral site game. I don't think that uh phases I don't think that impacts the game whatsoever. Um because LSU will be just fine in Orlando. Having said all that, as you handicap it, what are you looking for in this game between the Tigers and Seminoles?
2: I think the one major, major glaring difference in this game versus last year's game is is LSU is a completely different football team on offense. I don't think they knew what they had in true freshman tight end Mason Taylor. They started two true freshmen, two, at each of the offensive tackle spots. They had not figured out quite how to utilize Jaden Daniels, right? So he's a little bit new. It's an entirely new scheme. And all of a sudden now, you look at how LSU ended the season. You look at what that offense became down the stretch. You watch how that game was played out uh, when they beat Alabama at home. They're just—they're an entirely different football team from an identity standpoint. They know who they are, and I don't think they'll make the kicking game snafus that they made last year that plagued them. And that was really the, the other part of it that was sure. was was a big deal. So, listen, all the pressure, in my opinion, is on Florida State. Everybody's in love with Florida State. They're the LSU can just go out and play, right? But Florida State, and and I think Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner. He said it best, and he's right. He put it on. He put it on his 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 programs. Uh, Whether it's North Carolina playing South Carolina, whether it is Miami playing A and F, whether it's Florida State playing LSU, you want to change the narrative and the perception of the conference, you have to win those out of conference, highly anticipated matchups. Yeah, and he told all of them, and he's right. And so I, I think the onus is on Florida State here to live up to the hype to be able to manage the expectation and and to play as good as everybody's expecting them to. And listen, I think they're going to be a good football team. I really do. I, I uh, We're going to find out about their maturity level. We're going to find out about whether they can handle being patted on the back for an entire offseason and come out and play like that. Um, and this, that's why I think this game is just a little bit different. I don't think it will be as sloppy. Last year's game was pretty sloppy.
3: Yeah, I don't think it's going to work out for Florida State. In fact, I think they could lose two of their first four games to LSU and Clemson and still be a good football team. But sure, people sure, will stop. Absolutely, you, and people will stop talking about them, and then they may rip off, you know, a yeah. bunch of wins. <laughs> exactly. That's
2: exactly what they would do. I think
3: that could happen because Clemson. I just think Clemson and and. Uh, LSU are in a better spot, but, but FSU is definitely trending the right way. All right, real quick, uh, in your backyard, North Carolina and South Carolina, North Carolina's favored after losing Phil Longo. And, and that really surprises me. I think this is going to be an implosion year for, for Mac Brown, but I know everybody likes him. Seems like a good dude. Are you surprised North Carolina's favored, Luke's?
2: No, no. The quarterback is such a difference maker and they've got eight other starters back from last year's team. Um, I think they'll be improved on defense. What does that mean, improvement? Because you went from really god-awful to is that, does that mean you're going to be mediocre? Does that mean you're going to be competent? Does that mean you're going to be above average?
3: What happened? Um, Did Gene Chizik forget that. how to coach?
2: No, I just don't think they have great players on that side of the ball and they're trying to recruit to it. And, um, and, and obviously they're, they're ahead of that curve on the offensive side and haven't caught up on the defensive side. They were a really poor tackling team a year ago. And, um, especially early on in the season, they got a little bit better late. But I think the reason why North Carolina's favorite is because of Drake May. And I, I'm not so sure that Vegas. Vegas might be a little nervous about which Spencer Rattler do we see. Do we see the Spencer Rattler of the first eight or nine weeks last year, or do we see him versus Tennessee? Do, do we see him like he looked versus Clemson? Because when, the, when they relieved Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator of his duties, he's now at Nebraska, that's when everything changed for Spencer Rattler. Can they carry that over? And can Spencer Rattler hit the ground running? Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I, th- I think it's going to be a heck of a football game, really evenly matched football game. All right.
3: But Mississippi State fans will be locked into that because they play at South Carolina. It's a winnable road game, even though I think South Carolina is a slight favorite, but they will be playing South Carolina um, in four weeks, I think. Yeah, three home games, and then South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina gets Georgia before that game, and Mississippi State gets LSU, the fun of the mm-hmm. SEC. Tom Lugan, Bill, um, Dude, have fun. Uh, Clemson Duke, have a great weekend, and we'll talk next week.
2: Sounds good, man. Take care.
3: So he'll be calling Clemson Duke. And Garrett Riley is now the offensive coordinator, Jason, for the Clemson Tigers. He was the offensive coordinator for TCU. His older brother is Lincoln Riley, the head football coach for Southern Cal. Our show is brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Mississippi. It's good to be blue, the official health care provider of the out of bounds show blue cross blue shield of mississippi it is good to be blue good morning welcome in mike detillier at 8 30 on the farm bureau insurance guest line